They're on the front lines of tragedy, trauma, and death, bringing people back from the brink or bearing witness to their final moments. Being so close to the veil, it only makes sense that they'd have more than their share of chilling and even terrifying encounters. Today, we're sharing true paranormal stories from medical workers, police, and first responders. Welcome to Shadowland, everybody. Welcome. This is a podcast that shines a spotlight on stories of the supernatural, mysterious, eerie, and unexplained. Stuff like Mothman. Remote seeing. Bat Squatch. Sex with aliens. Werewolves. Ancient races of giants. Sex with werewolves. Ouija board mishaps. Banshees. Mars anomalies. Haunted Arby's. Interdimensional rock seals. Undersea anomalies. <laughs> Road trolls. All that stuff. All that stuff and more. Lots more. I'm Christina Callery. And I'm Seth Jablon. And today... We're talking about paranormal 911 Paranormal 911 emergency. <laughs> yeah. Like of all, of all stripes. So we've got um, some medical... Stories for medical personnel and first responders, and you've got um, some police, right? Yep, yep. I think all of mine are actually police. I didn't even like think about that until just now. But yeah, police, like anyone who's responding to a call, some sort of call for emergency or alarm or something like that. Right. And just like we said in the intro, I mean, it, it completely makes sense that these workers would have a lot of experiences of this type. Um, but what's interesting about it is that, you know, a lot of them are very scientifically minded and logically minded by necessity, or just like, you know, if they're good at their jobs, they have to be, they have to kind of separate out their emotions. So when they have stories like this, I mean, to me, it, it almost lends it credibility, oh, a, little, a little more credibility. Yeah, definitely. I mean, these are people in a in a pretty intense moment who take their jobs very seriously, right? They've been trained. Yeah, in a lot of cases, especially with mine, where it's a lot of like police officers, like they have a certain skeptical mindset, right? And yeah, for them to have these experiences, a lot of them actually change these people's lives for forever, or at least change their perspective, right? Might open them up um, in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's an interesting topic because it's like it's almost impossible to talk about without uh without the context of tragedy right mm -hmm. very not, not all my stories are, are but very often there are right like these people are responding to some type of tragedy some type of violence or death or or um accident or you know so something like that and then like yeah like you were saying before like the you know they're those moments are sort of closer to the veil like it's it's moments where you know two worlds are intersecting very often right especially when there's death involved but even when there's not right like these people in heightened moments sometimes there's a you know more of a connection to the sort of 
invisible world. And so, yeah, it's like, it's hard to separate it from, from the tragedy, but it's also some of them, I know I found a couple that were like sort of even uplifting. So. Yeah, I did too. Um, but I didn't include as many of them because, you know, Spooktober. <laughs> <laughs> I did one. I did one. Okay. I mean, it's still tragic. Though. It's don't worry. It's still tragic, but uh, yeah. But yeah, some of them are scary. Some of them are just kind of like that I came across were just sort of sad. Like, well, yeah, that happened. That makes sense. You know, and some of them were like, fuck, man, it's scary as shit, right? When you think about like haunted houses and things like that, it's like they always seem to sort of come on slow, right? Like it's like, oh. One night they heard a noise and then the next night there's like another one. But this is like people sort of thrust into these very intense, very paranormal experiences. Like, you know, they're, you know, maybe they were just eating something at Arby's, you know, before they got the call, <laughs> you know, like, so anyways, I, think, I feel like it heightens it or, or, or causes more contrast, right, for the experience. Right, right. And a lot of times they want nothing to do with that, too. Yeah, it's not like right. they're going out there looking to, to stir anything or, up yeah. or, you know, yeah. they're just trying to do their jobs. Yeah. All right. Well, so how do you want to do this? It? I have a bunch and I kind of opted to I mean, I, I have a, a few and just the usual story format. Um, but then a lot of these are I just wanted to tell it in their own words. Um, okay stuff that I found so I've got quite a few I don't know if you how you want do you want to go back and forth or should we take turns or what do you think sure why don't we go back and forth I just have like three so oh, and then okay. I have like a handful that I've just like on my mind uh, that I didn't you know there oh, a okay. lot of these stories are, are you know they're short right like you know some of them at least and so mm-hmm. um anyways yeah maybe well, we just wanna... go back and forth a little oh, bit oh okay huh? okay cool well what, what, what well I was gonna say maybe you could just yeah if you wanted to go first into yours okay that. All right, well, why don't, I, why don't I do my first story, and then we'll take it from there. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Okay, so, um, so yeah, like I was saying before, I didn't really anticipate the fact that a bunch of these were about police officers. But this um, first story um, is the story of Officer Tyler Beto and the Mysterious Voice. Ooh. Right? And so, just a disclaimer, like, a lot of these, like, I took from, like, Paranormal 911, Paranormal <laughs> Emergency, right? Like those, like there was a bunch of shows done around it. And some of them are really scary. And so, so some of these, there, there is like recordings with them. Uh, there's footage with some of them. Um, and some of them, they're sort of like obscuring where they're from and stuff. But this one involves uh, a police officer. Um, and um, one day a call comes in. Um, there's a car um, being called in as... Uh, being in the Spanish Fork River, um, it's turned over. It's in the water, and it's sort of off the bridge, upside down. Like, where is it? What? Yeah, so area? so it's like somewhere in the United States. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that somewhere narrows it down. And or Canada. No, it's like, it's like <laughs> a lot of them. I think obscured. I think you can actually find this story because there was sort of press about it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them, they'll just sort of obscure the exact location. Okay. Um, so th- this is, um, so there's a car flipped over. The call comes in. It's in the Spanish Fork River. Where I'm sure we can find where that is. But um, so Officer Tylo Beto, he gets the call and he makes his way there, right? So he gets there. Um, everyone else arrives and they're trying to suss out the situation, right? It seems really odd that there's this car here, like, 
you know, um, at first glance, no one seems to be in the car, right? Like it's like kind of quiet, right? Which is sort of odd. Um, they tape off the area and they try to figure out a way to get down, right? So, so they're up on a bridge. I think it's like a very rocky embankment um, going down to the water. I don't think it's a particularly like big river, right? Like obviously if there's a car there, it's probably more like creek-like or something, mm-hmm. right? Like you can actually see the, you can actually get down to the riverbed and there's a car there. So, so while they're trying to figure all this stuff out, uh, all of a sudden they hear a woman's voice calling out, help me, help me. So they're like, wait, what the fuck? You're like, there's somebody, there's somebody down there. Right. So, um, so they run down, right? Like, they're like, okay, let's just get down there. Let's get to work. Um, so it's hard to get there. The, the, the bank is rocky and they're crawling, climbing all over boulders. They get down to the riverbed. It's very cold, right? It's, it's early spring. Um, and they hear this, the voice keep calling out, help me, help me. Right. And you can hear in the, in some of the footage, um, you can actually hear them talking to back to this person, right? Like on the body cam footage, um, they're like, we're helping, we're coming, we're trying, you know? And it just sounds like someone's there. No, you don't hear, you don't hear the the voice. Okay. You don't hear the voice on the recording, but you hear them replying Mm, to the voice. Okay. Which is pretty, but they're pretty both creepy. hearing it. The the people on the scene are hearing the voice for mm-hmm. sure, um, and it's like really, you know, mo- they're freaking out. They're like, "We got to get this person out!" Like, so, um, so they're like, you know, trying to talk to her. It's you know, it's a female voice. If that wasn't clear, um, they're trying to talk to her, and and you know, they can all of a sudden, you know, they're trying to like pry a door open and all this stuff, um, and they see an arm sticking out. And they sort of are able to discern that there's a woman in there, but she looks dead and like kind of long dead, right? Like she's uh-huh. been there for, they estimated 14 to 16 hours. I don't know how they estimate, but probably like based on like skin color and all these other things, factors, right? Like, so, um, so anyways, that's a shock, right? They're like, okay, so where's this voice coming from then? So he looks in the back seat and they see that there's a baby in there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, so now they're like, alive. okay, fuck this. Yes, the baby is alive. Um, so now they're like, fuck this, we, we gotta get in there. So they get on one side and they get all like superhuman strength. <laughs> and they like, just like push the car, o- car over um, and they, they pry the door and they are able to get the baby out. But the baby is like, you know, at this point, hypothermic, right? Like if it's been in the car for 14 or 16 hours, um, you know, it's it's in trouble, but it's still breathing. Um, so the officer says, you know, that medically speaking, you know, the, the child shouldn't have been still, you know, shouldn't have survived, right? Like it drove off a bridge, you know, it has been sitting in this car alone for an extended period of time. It's cold. Um, all sorts of things, right? So just the fact that it's still alive is is a miracle. So you know, but basically, the, they they get the baby out, they take it to the hospital, and it survives. Um, and the entire team afterwards is like, "What just happened here?" Right? They're like pretty shocked by the whole thing. Everyone heard the voice, um, and they all feel like pretty confident that it was like you know probably the child's mother trying to get help right for their child and so um and was able to do so and so wow. 
yeah, that's the story. And the um, the officer, he's actually still in touch. And there with was the nobody around. Like they, they, I'm assuming they searched the area, and there was no one else who could have been calling. Well, I but don't know strange. if they necessarily searched the area because it, it's like the, the the voice was like coming from the car. It was like coming it from the actual car. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they were like, yeah, there's something in there, right? So, um, you know, wow. th- th- I think they all had sort of like different feelings. That's about amazing. What, what it was, but it isn't. Isn't that amazing? So, it really is. Yeah. And like this wow. definitely changed his life, and you know, obviously changed the child's life, and. He's apparently one of the officers is still in their lives, and so and the child's father wow. um, as well. So, so that's my first story. Well, that's a, that's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, there's just this idea of like, I mean, like this, this like calling. I mean, we'll get into it, but like this um, calling out for help apparently is like very, a very common story, right? Like this, or uh, I read a number of them that were like somebody gets a uh, the cops get a phone call from like a husband right and they get there and the husband's been dead for a long time but the wife is in trouble yep right and they're yep. able to get but there's a bunch like that right? right like this is a thing that happens that and that goes back to our these... phantom phone calls too or what's that that goes back to our uh, episode on phantom phone calls yeah, yeah people totally. receive phone calls yeah uh, it's also interesting, you know, because, you know, I've heard, you know, people talk about, you know, af- after death visitations, you know, in various forms. Yeah. And it seems like, I mean, th- some of the thinking out there is that it might take a while um, for a spirit or a soul to understand how to use energy effectively enable you know to or to build up enough strength or whatever to be able to communicate that's some of the thinking out there anyway that i've heard um so you know i would imagine in a situation like this one that you just told you know there's so much emotion and there's such a close bond between the mother and the child that you know she was able to you know manifest this like immediately after death yeah, just this like thought of them, you know, you know, the the moment after death, right? Like the, there's the classic story, or or you know, uh, for for some people, like they've actually experienced this mm-hmm. of, you know, rising out of the body, looking down, and trying to process this moment, right? It's like a, a thing, right? There's a Tibetan Book of the Dead is about, partly about that moment and the subsequent ones, but. So this, you know, this woman, whatever our soul is, right, is Mm -hmm. leaving her body. She's floating above and she sees her child there and she's like, I'm not fucking going anywhere. (laughs) You know what I mean? Until this child is is cared for. And so, you know, I think that's a very powerful. And there's a time frame, isn't there, following death that supposedly people are kind of in between worlds or there's a time frames. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like I think it depends three days yeah. and then like a month. Those are like significant time frames, right? I know in uh, the Jewish faith, it's there's also I, I believe. Please feel free, uh, listeners, to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there is also a time. Yeah, you know, it take you know. Uh, that's that's super interesting though. But I I feel like also like that's another reason why you would have a lot of um, these kind of experiences with. 
first responders and EMTs and hospitals right. because right. You know, you're dealing with people immediately after death. Right. Yeah. And the moment of death where like whatever world that is con- that death is connected to is now connected to it's like a it's like the same thing with like birth right the, that's a pretty powerful you know miraculous moment like you mm-hmm. you know you you feel it right like you feel something like fucking crazy happening right and i and 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 i and death's the same thing right like you mm-hmm. feel that bigness the the you know the power and the bigness of this other world sort of intersecting with ours mm-hmm. there's something very real about it um yeah okay well why don't why don't i keep going and do a spooky ass one yeah sure or no what is, yeah okay, do okay. it do a spooky <laughs> okay, ass one okay 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 um, so this is somewhere. <laughs> maybe we, maybe we need a little bit of rainfall sound. Oh yeah, or like uh, oh, we need like spooky sound sound effects, like a theremin or something. Or, Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tim. Um, okay. So this is um, okay. So this happened somewhere in the um, eastern U.S. and basically. Um, Late one night, a car crashes on US 17, um, and a call is placed into um, 911 by the man driving it. Oh, sorry, by the man driving behind the car, right? So there's a guy driving down the road. He sees this car crash, and he, he calls an in. Um, so he tells them that there's no other vehicles involved and that the car just swerved off the road all of a sudden and straight into a tree. Um, nearby uh, police officer Joseph Warren responds to the call and he's the first person on the scene. Um, so he approaches the vehicle and he sees a, um, a Caucasian man in the driver's seat. Uh, and from what he, you know, at first the guy, he's like, is this guy dead? Like, he, I think he sort of appears to be dead. Um, so he approaches him to see if he's still, you know, breathing. And suddenly the man like grabs his hand and like just tries to tell him something, right? Like he's struggling to, to sort of express himself. Uh, then his arm goes limp, he lets go and he dies. So um, the EMS come, they take him away. And you know, he's not sure what happened. Um, so he photographs the scene, right? You have a car here that's basically driven off the road, driven into a tree. The guy just died and there's no reason that it seems to have happened. Right. There's even an eyewitness that says it just drove off the road. So he says, as a matter of protocol, they just generally take photos of scenes, not knowing if they're going to need them later. Right. So takes out his camera and he starts taking a bunch of photos. Um, and Uh when he, yeah, (laughs) Uh, and when he gets to the tree that the car hit, right, to the angle that sort of shows the tree, um, he gets this, like, really nauseous feeling, and he becomes very emotional um, and is overcome, right? Like, all these like, kind of images are passing through his mind. He feels very sort of, like, overwhelmed and almost confused, and he kind of, like, you know, it, it, it kind of stops him. Right. And he's like, you know, and this is a cop like he's like, uh, you know, he's been through some shit, um, you know, and he doesn't really it's never happened to him before. And he doesn't really understand what's happening, but he's able to collect himself, take the photo and, and move on. 
Um, so, you know, he finishes, um, and then no sooner does he get into his car, but he gets another call about another crash on US-17, and it's close by, about 15 miles away. So he gets in his car, and he's like, this this is crazy, and, like, this kind of sucks. Like, I don't, you know, I just left, you know, the fatal scene, the scene of a fatal accident. Like, now I'm about to head to another. So he goes straight there. And um, he's again the first one on the scene. Um, and the whole thing is eerily similar to the last crash. No other cars are involved. It's another um, single white male driver, no one else in the car, who just drives off the road and crashes again into a tree. So um, this time, by the time he gets to the car, he can see that the, the man is already dead. Um, so... Again, this is very all very odd. So he's gonna he's gonna photograph the scene um, while the you know the EMS is sort of taking away the body and you know, but he's still investigating the scene. He take he says he takes about sixty photographs just of that accident hmm. um, because he thinks this is very weird now and you know who knows this could end up in court. So as he's finishing, he gets this weird uneasy feeling. And he feels like something is watching him from the forest beyond the road. So he takes his light and he shines, shines it over into the woods. And he sees some kind of person, some sort of shadowy figure standing there, which now starts coming towards him. And he said he, he experiences this feeling of like ill will coming from this figure that like he gets the feeling that whatever it is, it doesn't want him there. Right. So he's like, uh, fuck this. Right. <laughs> but basically he's like, he, he describes it as a black shadow on the other side of the trees. Uh, he sees a head, shoulders, the whole thing, but like a shadow person, like a shadow person. Okay. But now he's like, fuck this. I'm outie. Right. So he goes back to the headquarters, um, but does not immediately report what, what happened. Right. So, you know, for obvious reasons, he's a cop. What is he going to say, right? Like, oh, I saw like this like shadow being on the side of the road after this creepy car crash, right? So he just proceeds with his job, right, which entails him now downloading all the photos and reviewing them. Um, and then as he's going through each of these, um, he comes across the one, um, which is the, the view of the tree where the car hit it, right? And he immediately sees something weird in the photo. And so they, they, they show the photo and the, um, on, the, on the tree trunk facing down to the car, there's a, um, uh, you can kind of see a face sort of looking down, right? And you can see it in there, it's like super creepy. Uh, and then, you know, th- this was like a little bit more like hard to see. <laughs> it was like, he's like, this is where the black figure is. And he sees the sort of black figure that he saw in the background beyond in the trees. So as soon as he sees this, he's again overcome with the feelings of unease and nausea that he felt earlier. Um, he calls a colleague over and they see the same thing, right? When he shows in the photo, it's not like he has to, t- you know, pick it out for them. They see it. Um, so he goes back through all the other photos and doesn't find anything else, right? Like he, if, if it's some sort of like, weird light trick or like the true something on the tree or something like that, you know, he doesn't find it anywhere else. 
so um so now he's like this is now he's like basically convinced that there's some type of negative energy involved with this whole thing right like whatever he saw or experienced out there is somehow involved with these crashes so he goes back to the scene of the first accident right the first place and he feels all those same feelings all, all over again so he's like walking around and he sees what he first thinks is a person but again it's like more like this black shadow um and it starts going coming towards him and it goes through like two trees but then once it's in front of those trees he can't see through it to the trees behind him so it's like moving through objects but it has some sort of opacity to it i guess so again he's like okay fuck that i'm out again <laughs> right he's like i'm done with this shit so um so he leaves so you know he feels like he's so this thing is is not good and that like he's scared right he's so scared that he he's so freaked out that he gets in his cruiser and he drives away with the lights and the sirens on right like mm -hmm. Whatever re you know, whatever reason he thought that was going to help, like, but that's. Well, I guess it's like going to bed with the lights on. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, so you know, obviously, this whole experience sticks with him, and so he starts looking into it, and he finds that there's a lot of like development going on in the area, and a lot of these trees are being cut down, and that there are actually more and more accidents. Um, so basically. He finds out that like, you know, in the years following these events, I think it's like in the four years following the events, um, you know, someone does a study of the area and finds that there have been almost 1500 accidents on this stretch of road Whoa. and that 246 of them involve vehicles hitting trees. And I'm assuming so. that that sounds like that would be unusual. Yeah. Well, I guess. I actually don't know. I mean, okay. it does sound like a, a, a lot of accidents in this mm -hmm. area. and That are unexplained. You, that are like unexplained. It's like snow, ice, or intoxication. Right. And people hitting like trees, yeah. like, as being, like, one of the things that happen. I mean, two in one night is already pretty crazy, but... Yeah. But who knows? Like, I mean, it could be, uh, you know, the road, you know, some roads, they get, like, a weirdness to them. Um, Especially yeah. when there's a creepy shadow person hanging out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or some type of angry tree spirit that's like trying to fucking <laughs> protect Ooh, his territory. It almost or, sounds like or elf like, right? That's like an elf story too, right? Like in maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. I would expect that. To, well, maybe. well, no, that that like when development comes through, like in I like see. Iceland yeah. and stuff, they're like, you know, they'll relocate a rock. But don't or, they just or, do stuff like kind of like? You know, immobilize bulldozers. I guess and, that's true. And I, mess with, I mean, like do they do they like people, steer true. people off the road to their deaths? No, I don't, Maybe. I, no, I, I mean, don't I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't. Know. To but me, yeah. this sounds like something more like more sinister. sinister. Yeah. That's like I don't know. Yeah, you know, freaking people out to the degree that they're driving off the road or whatever. Um, but yeah, so. Oh. That is well, a creepy. That's spooky. Spooky one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, when we did, uh, was it a year or so ago, we did the uh, Haunted Highways. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, we've, we've covered a couple uh, stories of haunt, like ghost hitchhikers and things like that that appear 
but this sounds something it, this doesn't sound like a ghost to me yeah well i mean that's definitely like how he's describing it right like he's mm-hmm. de- like when he describes it it definitely doesn't sound like he's describing a ghost like it sounds he's like, like something this is some type of evil. negative yeah, yeah some sort of negative energy and you know i think he even sees the difference between this guy's you know seeing this guy's spirit or whatever this guy's died in this thing right like you know there's obviously stories about people who see or photograph spirits over top of cars like you know after uh um an accident where someone has died um that's like a thing but it sounds like this is like different right there's that element but then also something else here and that's pretty scary because you just think about like driving down like dark scary roads at night and stuff and you're like oh you know well you have to wonder what the drivers saw did they yeah, see just no. a dark, shadowy figure, or did they see something even more vivid and terrifying? Yeah, or did something push the wheel or just, you know, freak yeah. them out, you know, to the degree that they were, like, lost control or whatever, so. Yeah, it's scary enough driving by yourself on those roads at night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've definitely been on some, like, roads, like, up in the mountains at night, mm-hmm. you know, with, like, mist it's and stuff. so and you're just like don't stop you know if someone if someone comes walking out into the road i'm just gonna keep going (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's terrifying and it's like you can't even really see you know farther than your headlights yeah yeah i feel like i was watching a show i can't remember what it was but someone was talking about how roads are these like i can't remember the word they use but like they're these like transitional places and because they're these transitional places, um, they, you know, it, it's like corners or something, right? Like, aren't ghosts supposed to, like, hang out in corners and rooms, mm-hmm. right? Like That's always the corner of the room. Like, there's something transitional about them. So mm-hmm. there's, like, again, that the veil is, like, a little mm-hmm. thinner um, yeah. around them. That's um, interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, we've talked in the past about, like, you know, the corner of the room where people who are dying often see entities or, or just entities in general, you know, if people are seeing yeah. shadow people or, or whatever, um, it's often the corners of the room or 3 a.m. is another thing, which is kind of like on that, that div- dividing yeah, between yeah. morning and evening and then yep. uh, fall, you know, like Halloween. It's a, oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, it's the, it's the spooky season. Spooky. Spooky. Um, um, all right. Oh, do you want to? So, do you want to? Yeah. Do well, so I, I, I was thinking it might be cool. Like I, I've got like three different topics that I cover okay. basically with like little shorter stories within each one of them. So I've got firefighters, EMTs, and nurses. So why don't I want me to just yeah, yeah, get into my firefighters? In. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. So this first one is the firehouse phantom of the Lexington Fire Station. Uh, it's Fire Station Four. It's also known as the Vote Real House. Um, it's the oldest station in Lexington, Kentucky, and it was built in 1904. And according to firefighters who work there, it's haunted. So the legend goes that on Christmas Day in 1945, a 70-year-old firefighter, who probably should have retired a while ago, but I don't know, maybe back in the, <laughs> the days they, uh-huh. they kept working. Um, Anyway, his name was Henry McDonald. He went to sleep in the station, and he never woke up. So he died peacefully in his sleep. Uh, 
But since then, strange occurrences have been reported in the building, and people believe Henry is still there. So, firefighters often report hearing the sound of heavy footsteps, like boots walking up and down the iron staircase. Um, Henry had a cane-bottomed rocking chair that he really liked, and after he died, they moved it up to the attic, because I guess that's the best place for a creepy old rocking chair. Yeah, that's definitely where you want it. That's where you want it, yeah. Um, so anyway, or people... Or by the window, or by the, like, the by upper the window. story window. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maximum effect. Okay, so but, but people, of course, hear it up in the attic, rocking oh back God, and dude. forth. Oh creak 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 um and they also report seeing a man peering out from an upstairs window of the station when no one is there so Uh. henry's hanging around still um but according to a contemporary report by a captain jason wells um Jason said that on the first day, his first day on the job, quote, there was a cold breeze that came through the station, really no explanation for why it did, and it knocked a big stack of papers off his desk. I just kind of looked around the room, and I thought I would just hang low and not tell anyone about that. So he's just kind of trying to, you know... (laughs) keep it to himself but then he said other firefighters would hear somebody with a pair of heavy boots walking up the steps and he said it's a real distinct sound on the cast iron staircase and the guys would peek out to check and nobody was there so apparently some of the firefighters have been so unnerved by the events that they won't be in the station alone even to go like pick up their paychecks or whatever but most of them view henry as a friendly ghost um, and he's apparently been promoted to captain over the years, and he's known as Captain okay. Henry, and he's become a sort of mascot. So their fire truck even has an image of a skeleton in a fire helmet with a logo reading The Phantom, because Henry is thought to ride along with them on runs. And, you know, maybe he provides backup. Yeah. <laughs> Never know. That's, that's right. Okay, so this next one um, is in Frankfurt, Illinois, and uh but the ghosts that haunt this fire station it's fire station three in frankfurt might not all be firefighters so over the years first responders uh, have reported a number of chilling experiences in this fire station um it's kind of like some of it is the usual stuff so lights switching on and off people hearing footsteps when no one is there shadowy figures glimpsed you know, in the building and around the ambulances and even like a bluish apparition that is spotted passing through the hallways at 3 a.m., you know, because what other time? And firefighters have even reported waking up to find dark shadow entities hovering over them. Ooh, that's... Which, which sounds, yeah. sounds uh, not, not relaxing. No. Um, so on one ambulance run, EMTs were about to close this heavy overhead door, but it mysteriously closed all on its own. And on another occasion, Lieutenant Todd Ham was watching TV when he saw a figure in all black walk right in front of him. And he's like wide awake. So maybe you could argue, okay, the other guys are they're having sleep paralysis. And if you mm-hmm. think this is all a figment of your mind, whatever, but he was wide awake. 
And it's believed that a lot of the activity is tied to the death of the building's previous owner, who was not a firefighter, Erwin Junker, who owned a farm implement business on the site before it was a fire station. So he was kind of a cowboy. And Junker passed away from a heart attack in 1996. And apparently the events that um, transpired since then at the station unnerved the firefighters so much that they called in ghost hunters and um so this site was featured on a and e's paranormal cops oh really paranormal cops paranormal cops yeah uh i haven't i haven't seen that one yeah me neither okay so we're going down under for this next one okay okay so at least two ghosts may haunt the halls and poles of Warrawong Fire Station in New South Wales. So according to the Illawarra Mercury site, um, which is a news site, one of the ghosts is a little boy who's seen peering out the window for a split second before disappearing. Not creepy. Yeah. Um, And he also may have been caught on camera. So there was uh, video footage shot about a decade and a half ago that shows a boy's reflection on the glass panel of the door and we'll post this but basically it's very obviously the image of a boy Mm -hmm. so you guys you know decide for yourselves whether or not you think this is real or whether it's a hoax but it's very clearly a boy it's 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 not just you know oh i see a face or something like that um So basically, according to the story, Officer Jason Harvey said that the first sighting dated back to when the fire station was opened in 1998, and it continued ever since. Harvey said that the image most often seen um, was not the boy, but was a solid, bushy, bearded man who resembled a bushman. Quote, there's been three or four firefighters who have actually seen a figure in the hallway. They've all basically described the same thing, a big, hairy-looking male. Mr. Harvey said. On one occasion, the figure was also seen to walk through a closed door. So obviously this is not just a regular person who's hanging around. Um, But the most compelling evidence is this image um, in this 10-year-old video or 10, 15-year-old video showing the boy's reflection. Um, And it was captured by senior fireman Peter Fitzpatrick, who was compiling a farewell presentation for a colleague Um, But then he noticed it when he was editing editing the footage. He said, quote, I got annoyed because I thought there was another fiery standing in the background. But then my wife said, no, that's a young boy. So Fitzpatrick said he spoke with colleagues about the boy, but was told no child was at the station that day. So this would have been impossible. Uh, The video was shelved until recently when he began compiling new footage for another colleague's retirement at the same time the officers were told of a triple road fatality that occurred at the site in 1990 when a 44-year-old man and two uh, other men aged 25 were killed. It was then that firefighters decided to call in the experts to see if the station was haunted. So they called some ghost hunters in um, and a team of investigators led by uh, a science teacher named Paul McCaffrey came to investigate. And McCaffrey said, we're a bunch of skeptics. We keep an open mind, but we try to come up with scientifically based explanations. 
So armed with high-tech equipment, he and the three colleagues spent a night at the station, and um, McCaffrey did have an opinion. Um, the story says on the fire station video, he says, it's either the best paranormal evidence I've ever seen, or there's a logical explanation. So we'll post that and you guys can decide, see what you think. I like how it's like or logical, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. It can be both. Yeah. Well, probably by logical, he means yeah. a hoax. Yeah. You know, yeah it's yeah, doctored. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. I mean, the idea that like, you know, there's all these like haunted firehouses, like totally mm-hmm. makes sense. Right. Like when we think of like hauntings, we always think of like houses because that's what's in like movies and that's what's like on our minds. Right. But, you know, just over the years I've heard about like so many places being haunted. Like there's a bar I used to go to, uh, in Waynesburg and it was, that was haunted that all the like. Which one was the bartenders would be there, uh, um, uh, Woodhull. Okay. And yeah, they'd be like, oh, things would like get moved around. Light switches would go on and off. They used to like try and like tape the light switches down because <laughs> like, they would physically like move. Whoa. You know? Oh, that's creepy. And they'd say like, oh, like they'd leave things places. So like there's all these places that can be haunted, right? Like it's mm-hmm. really not relegated to like home specifically right right like the one of the stories i found was like a marine base right like so we did the one with the like haunted toys r us and arby's retail chains yeah it's like i don't think like no place in particular can be haunted but like but like places any place that's a place can be haunted right like there's some you know something attached to it but anyways Haunted Ooh. firehouses, yeah. Haunted firehouses, yeah. So do you want to do one of yours? Um, why, don't, why don't you keep going? Why don't you okay. keep going? I'll, All right, like, so I'm going to get into some EMT stories now. Okay, okay. Cool. And um, these are a few stories from an EMT forum. So this is told in their words. I'm a part-time EMT with the county, and I volunteer with a local fire department. Being a rural department, we have almost all secondhand apparatuses, including an old Ford ambulance conversion. This particular vehicle was one of the vehicles the county bought brand new for our EMS department way back in 1985. It served them for 19 years before being shuffled off to the fire department to act as a rescue equipment vehicle, and it earned a reputation of slow, difficult to drive, and positively impossible to kill with both services. Plans change, and shortly after we received the ambulance, we purchased a light rescue truck to carry equipment and personnel to vehicle collisions. As such, the ambulance got another refit, becoming a firefighter recovery vehicle to keep firefighters in good shape on the fire ground. Um, heat injuries are especially prevalent, and heart attacks caused by overexertion are depressingly common. In December 2012, at around 1 in the morning, a late response to the station on my night off left me and another firefighter as last out of the station and the ambulance headed to the scene of a large residential fire. The roads were awful, snow over ice, left over from earlier in the day, and the sleet was coming down heavily enough that we couldn't see much more than 50 feet. I reached down to grab the radio mic and tell dispatch that we are en route. As I reached down, the firefighter with me realized what I was doing and grabbed for the mic, saying something about keeping my hands on the wheel and eyes on the road. Our hands bumped and hit the box that controls the emergency lights and the interior lights. 
As the cab was lit by the interior lights, our emergency lights turned on too, and the spotlights on the right side of the ambulance blazed against the snow and ice. I shot my companion a glare as I began to turn everything off and then glanced in the rearview mirror. At that moment, I saw a young girl sitting on a bench in the ambulance, looking at me just as the lights flashed off. I slammed on the brakes and we skidded a bit. I turned all the lights on with a swipe across the panel and turned around to look in the back. There was no one. I did a walk around, but saw no open doors and no footprints leading away. The girl would have been hard, hard to miss as she'd been wearing a day-glow yellow t-shirt and shorts. Ryan, the firefighter with me, seemed skeptical when I explained and asked if I was okay to drive. I let him take over and kept nervously eyeing the back the whole night. That was a long night. The sleet turned to snow and then finally quit right before dawn. The house was a total loss, but everyone got out okay, even the three-legged cat who was missing for several hours. During overhaul, Ryan was telling another firefighter about me flipping out so he too could join in heckling me. One of the paramedics overheard him and mentioned that back when the ambulance was still with EMS in the 90s, there had been reports of strange stuff happening. For example, the back doors would sometimes open by themselves in the locked bay. The lights would come on of their own accord, and paramedics heard whispers. The truck is gone now, sold at auction so it can live a new life freaking out some other department. We left a note in the glove box. Figured they deserved a heads up. I love that story. Well, it's like a straight thing up, like haunted truck, dude. I love it. It's a haunted ambulance. I mean, the thing is, like, the specificity of the day glow yellow t-shirt and shorts. That's what mm-hmm. makes it yeah. real to me, you know? Uh, because right, it would be right, one thing. Right. If it was, oh, I saw a girl. I saw a face. I saw a but if there's like very specific, like rant, weird color. Yeah. yeah. Right. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So here's this next one. Um, they say, here is my ghost event. And this was post- posted in uh, 2006. Now, I am a really scientific person. So for me to experience and say this is quite odd. On December 1st, 2004, we were paged out for a VSA. To make the code story short, we saved a 61-year-old female patient. The previous year, this lady's sister had died in the same town, almost in the same location as our VSA call. Now, at the hospital, our VSA patient started to come to. She kept looking to the door and grabbing out. Many family members were present, and I thought nothing of it. Once she started talking again, she said her sister was standing behind me and my partner looking at her. Her sister then walked backwards out of the room and was not seen again by our patient. Okay, so I was thinking maybe a neuronal firing of some sort due to hypoxia, acidosis, etc. In my mind, fair enough. Now, on December 2nd, the same partner and I were at the hospital filling our water jugs the filling machine is in a back room with a two door with two doors, one to the kitchen, the other to the hallway. The room is approximately twelve feet by six feet. Dishwasher, filling machine, and a shelving unit in the corner beside the door to the hallway. Okay, now the weird stuff. Both doors were closed. 
My partner and I are standing there talking about how the patient said she saw her sister at that time. And then I look towards the shelf and there is an old woman standing there looking at me and smiles. My partner saw me looking at something and a blank stare, so he turned to look. I kind of shrugged it off, smiled back, and turned towards the bottle being filled in the machine. My, port- my partner looks back as well. It then hit me that the doors were closed and nobody else came in with us. I look back and she was gone. I asked my partner if he saw the lady standing there, which he did. I ran to the door and opened it and looked down the hall. Nobody? I asked my partner what she looked like and what she was doing. He described her exactly the same and said she smiled at us. The doors did not open at any time. I've tried to come up with explanations of what happened, but can't come up with anything that fits. All I can come up with is thank you. So what I like about that one is that this person is a skeptic going into it. Yeah, right. You know, right. self-described and, yep. and was immediately writing it off to, you know, the, you know, the woman seeing her sister as just, you know, some kind of hallucination until, you know, they had their own experience. Yep. Um, so there was also uh, an account in Union County, uh, South Carolina, um, reported by the state that a man was arrested after trying to escape a haunted ambulance. <laughs> what? Yeah. So apparently there was an unidentified man who was found by police wandering a parking lot after a Belk loss prevention officer reported that he was yelling at cars and falling down. Um, Police said the man's pants were unzipped and he was covered in dirt and grass and he was sweating profusely. They said he kept changing the subject while they tried to talk to him and they called EMS after asking if he needed medical help. Um, but the report said that the man began to freak out and yell things that did not make sense when paramedics arrived trying to run away from the haunted ambulance. Um, so uh, he apparently faced charges of public drunkenness and resisting arrest. But, you know, maybe he was seeing something. I don't know. Uh, well, he doesn't sound like a reliable witness in this case. <laughs> not, maybe not. I just had to include that. Um, but yeah, apparently there, there are actually, when you look into it, quite a few examples of haunted ambulances and stories huh. out there, uh, haunted ambulance stations. Um, yeah, I came across they, a bunch where that were like from people who, um, you know, were trying to save somebody and they weren't able to, and then like they were sort of followed home or something like sort of attached yeah. themselves to them. Um, but yeah, I could see an ambulance being one of those things one of those things yeah okay i've um, got one more yep. uh, yeah yeah go for it yeah okay so um they said this is a true story about an ongoing haunting that's occurring in richmond virginia at a local ambulance company located just offside off broad street uh, my 25 year old son and son-in-law has been working at this company as an emergency medical tech technician for approximately a year now and comes home weekly with new haunting stories The small brick building was once a warehouse of some type, and during a fire many years ago, several people were trapped inside and died. They were Hispanic migrant workers who apparently slept in the warehouse. It is now used as an ambulance company, and during the 24-hour shifts, EMT people are required to spend the night in the building. There's also a dispatcher who is always on duty, even during the night hours. When my son-in-law first went to work there, he wondered why the sleeping cots were set up in the smaller room rather than the larger bunk room. 
He was told that the larger room was haunted, and if people tried to sleep there, they'd feel cold hands on them in the night. He didn't know whether to believe this or not, but he did notice that whenever he worked a 24-hour shift and slept there, he had very bad nightmares, and he'd wake up to a cold, tingling feeling running up and down his spine. So apparently he took his chances, um, or maybe maybe just in the in the building in general. They think there are at least two ghosts in the building. The first is an aggressive one who bangs the chain on the bay door, walks around the bay area, slams doors, and puts his cold hands on people. The other is a woman um, who's also been seen in the office area. She was sighted recently when two ambulance workers walked by the office window and saw a short, dark-haired woman in the office. Not recognizing her, they went back to find out who she was, but there was no one there. So those are are my EMT stories. Those are good. I I like the ones where it's like sort of like, you know, their firsthand accounts of it. There seems to be a lot of like these boards out there of people sharing these stories, right? Like I found a number of them um, as well. Like there's like discussions. Like I think a lot of people have these experiences and kind of don't know what to do with them, you know? Exactly. I know. That's that's what was so fascinating about doing research for this is that there were so many and, and some of them were so short I wanted to include them but I but I didn't. Yeah, you know, but there right. were just and I think people are looking for it. Like you said, they're looking for a community to be able to share this with. You know, they're they're having these experiences and you know, just like us, it's it's cool to hear about like spooky or paranormal or supernatural stuff. But I think also also it's like a place to safely share these stories without judgment. Totally. And I mean, and some of these people have like straight up PTSD, right? Like some of them have very intense experiences out there that they it's very hard for them to process, right? Mm-hmm. Like paranormal aside, but then adding that in, it's like you know, can be a real mindfuck, right? Like, so being able to sort of connect with other people who have had those and so they don't feel crazy or so they can sort of work through some of the trauma that they had to go through working that that type of job. I mean, I can't even imagine what that would be like, um, you know, night after night having to go out there and, you know, be in some of the most painful situations that people can be in, right? So... Mm-hmm. Um, cool. All right. Well, maybe I'll do my one more like police one. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. sure. So, okay. So this one, um, is a, um, actually a Homeland security officer, (laughs) still a cop, I guess. Um, okay. So, um, and it's the story of officer Jerry Burkhead and the woman in white. So late one night, um, officer, Burkhead, a Homeland Security officer, gets a call of a possible intruder in a federal building. Um, It was about 3 a.m. and the alarm was going off on the sixth floor. Um, The facility was normally locked down completely at night with no one in the building, right? So, um, so Officer Burkhead, he's he's on duty for being a Homeland Security officer, you know, on duty to investigate these federal buildings. So. You know, but obviously right away, it's like kind of an odd thing, right? Like what's someone doing on the sixth floor? How'd they even get there? Um, so, um, you know, Officer Burkhead is actually a former Marine. Um, and so he goes in, you know, 
this building has no lights on. He's just got a flashlight. He goes in by himself uh, to investigate. Um, so the, like I said, the, the before the um, building is actually locked down after a certain time. And so there's no electricity, right? The, um, or it's not turned on, I should say. Um, the elevators are off, right? They're powered down from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. And so he's, and you know, the lights are all off. So he's just walking around by himself um, when he hears scream, a scream come from the stairwell. So he goes to investigate, he goes in the stairwell, but he doesn't find anything. It's empty. Um, so he dismisses it and climbs up the stairs to the sixth floor, right? And that's a pretty high, you know, that's a pretty far climb, like in the middle of the night, like dark building where like an alarm's going. Is it, I mean, a, creepy just, old, like, is it a creepy old attic kind of place? I think it's like an active federal building, but it's like oh, okay. just, it's just like, um, it's, there's no one there at night. Um, so he climbs um, to the sixth floor, and once he gets there, he gets this overwhelming feeling that he's not alone. And it, in addition to that, he gets this sort of feeling of dread and sorrow. Oh. So um, the alarm, you know, they know where the alarm has come from, right? Like it comes, it's come from um, this room 116. So he heads over there um, because that's where the alarm was tripped, right? So when he gets there, he sees the door is open and sort of left cracked open. So he walks in to investigate. But once inside, he doesn't really find anything amiss. There's no, like, you know, evidence of people some knocking stuff over, searching for things or whatever. No broken glass. No, no, you know, like the door hasn't been pried or anything like that. So he's like kind of scratching his head. Like, you know, obviously at this point, it seems like it's some type of false alarm, right? Like something tripped and you know but no one was there but now all of a sudden he hears the um he hears footsteps and the elevator running and then he sort of looks out into the darkness and he sees a woman in a dress uh standing there so he calls out to her and she runs so he chases after her so he's like running through this like dark hallways chasing this woman that he doesn't he has no idea who she is or what she's doing there and he can't really quite catch her right he sees her dress whip around a corner and he's just sort of follows her there but once he gets around the corner there's nobody there so he starts getting the cold sweats um and he's just looking around like what the fuck is going on and right about that time um all the doors in the corridor start opening and closing and banging, right? Like banging open and shut. And it sort of dawns on him at that moment that no one person could be banging all these doors, right? It was like all down the hallway all at once, right? So now he's like, okay, fuck this, right? And so, um, but he doesn't leave actually. Um, I think, I don't know if he's called in back up or not, but um, another um, officer shows up and um, meets him up there. So, so, you know, he comes up, the elevators start going off, going on again and turning off. Um, they're looking around, um, you know, a light now goes on in room 116. And um, so now he draws his weapon and he's like, I'm going to go find whoever this is, bust into the office, 
again, nothing. Right. So, so now he's getting the feeling like he is being warned or, or, you know, ch- ch- tried to be scared off or something like that. Um, but there's nothing in that room. But as soon as he goes to leave, he looks up and there she is, uh, this woman wearing all white and her eyes are glowing orange and red, which like is so fucking terrifying. <laughs> and he says her face is crackly. I don't know exactly what that means, but that also sounds Does that terrifying. mean like pixelated or, or is it more? No, like I think like crackly, like, like, like wrinkly or something. Wrinkly and ew. Like cracked. Um, like the crypt keeper kind of. I guess. Ew. And he says that like with these like glowing red eyes, she stares straight through him. Right. Like, like she can like see into him. And at this point he said he screams. He like, screams, "Oh shit!" Yeah, <laughs> which I love, dude. Yeah, and so yeah. now the those part of the the guy, his the backup who showed up and comes running, and they're both like, uh, "Okay, fuck this, we're done," um, and they run out of the building. Right, like this guy is sufficiently scared at this point, and they basically have a discussion about it, um, and they decide to call it in as a false alarm. But in this discussion, you know, he learns that um, many years ago in one room 116, um, a secretary was murdered. Uh, she was strangled to death, um, and she was also known for wearing white. Oh. Yeah, so that's the mm-hmm. story of Officer Yeah, isn't that creep creepers? Super the worst creepers. part of that story for me is the orange and red eyes like yeah does that mean like alternately orange and red or does it mean like i mean maybe you didn't get that i said specific. orange and reddish so was, maybe it was a red orange. orange and reddish maybe he's just trying to describe it like whatever yeah, like the just color. why Oof. why is it got to be orange and reddish like why is the why the eyes got to be glowing like well why do they gotta be glowing why do they gotta be red glowing you know what i mean yeah they're never like blue <clears throat> glow like what's up with yeah. red in these it's just these, the like, most terrifying color, I think. Like if you're going to have glowing eyes and you're going to freak people out, make them red. Yeah, but why? Like, wh- like, why is that scary to us and why is it red is what I want. I don't know. Is it because, pr- <laughs> is it because like, there's this primal knowing underneath that, that this is, you know, if, if these are evil entities, that this is how we recognize them? Or is it or is something it some connected sort of to like predators in the way that, yeah, maybe. Yeah, or like fire association the... with fire or. But red is also like a very, it's like in a lot of religions considered a very high color, right? Like it's like considered mm-hmm. like a very, like a sacred color, right? In some religions, it's even restricted uh, the use of it. And yeah, I think it's, I think eyes... they, they even know that it's it, red and green cause like feelings of religiosity so mm-hmm. i don't know why red like i feel like it's like some weird spec color spectrum thing i don't know to me it feels like it's it's just very primal primal like it's just uh, hits you at like oh this is not good if you saw this peering through the trees you know it's coming for you yeah right like what what color would be better period <laughs> like, like blue like I mean, if it was like the, blue 
eye color, you mean? A glow? Yeah. If you're going to have glowing eyes looking if you're at you, have probably anything. Eyes. <laughs> anything <laughs> but red. Anything but, well, I don't know, yellow. That's not. Yeah, but it's not as scary. That's not, that's not as scary. Yellow, what other colors could it be? Purple, that's not very scary. That's kind of like, kind of disco. But, um, what, yeah, what else? Like, green. I mean, green kind of seems predator-like right now. Yellow, I, I don't know. Well, yellow guess, kind of like it seems like eye shine, like you would see. Yeah, right. Owls yeah, there's and... something about red that's just like, no, please don't. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so so those are my Yikes. stories. Yeah. Okay, so do you want me to get into some nurse stories, nurse and medical sure. worker yeah, yeah, stories? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's okay, do it. so I'm gonna kick this off with one that literally kept me up one night. Like uh, I, I actually. This is I was I was reading this forum and I um I had to sleep with the light on really? <laughs> after I read this one. It was posted um on this nurses forum where they're sharing ghost stories and actually this this forum um was started in 2000. <laughs> so it's been around for two decades with many many posts. I have I haven't gone through all of them, but I found this one it, it was just absolutely chilling to me um, imagining you know reading this at midnight too you know yeah so this person said my creepiest and scariest ghost story for me happened about a year ago it was really more of a possession than a ghost story i was helping another nurse with a patient that had lived a very hard life he had numerous things going on with him from cardiac to renal failure you name it he had it going on this man was very much afraid to die Every time his heart monitor beeped, he would just go into a rage screaming, don't let me die, don't let me die. The other nurse and I found out why he didn't want to die. About 0200, his cardiac monitor starts alarming VTAC. We both rush into the room. I'm pulling the crash cart behind me. When I get to the room, the other nurse is completely white. This man was sitting about two inches above the bed and laughing. His whole look completely changed. His eyes just had a look of pure evil on them, and he had this evil smile on his face. He laughed at us and said, You stupid bitches aren't going to let me die, will you? And he laughed again. We were kind of frozen. I did reach up and hit the code blue button, and when I did, the man went into V-fib. He crashed back onto the bed. We started coding him, but after 20 minutes, it was called. Five minutes after the code was called, several of the code team is in the room cleaning up when this man sits straight up in the bed and says, you let him die, too bad, and then begins laughing. The man collapsed back to the bed. We heard a horrible, agonizing scream. Actually, every patient in the unit that night commented on the scream. And then you could hear, don't let me die being whispered throughout the unit. Every one of the nurses that night was pale and scared. Nobody went anywhere by themselves. By morning, the whispers of don't let me die were gone. The night shift nurses had a prayer service in the break room before we left for home. And then we all had nightmares for weeks. Yikes. Isn't that, uh, That's pretty scary. Imagine reading like, that imagine, one like at midnight. <laughs> yeah. Well, just like I'm trying, like, try, I always try to like picture, you know, like what it would be like sitting there. Like, I mean, 
I don't know what to say about the like levitating thing yeah. part of the whole thing. Like, yeah, I mean, like, was it just right. you know they were so freaked out, or maybe yeah. if somebody is like right. rigid, but just and, someone like, like yeah leaps off the bed or something, but right, I, or even just some guy like talking weird and like you know yeah that's pretty creepy. Okay, I like so, when they like throw in the lingo like V fad. Oh, like, I know, I know. I, I just read it like I knew what it <laughs> was. No, no, it's totally <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, I've just got a couple, uh, just really small ones if we're cool. Okay. But, okay. Cool, okay. Yeah. One is we have a white figure that has been seen in the medicine room. Sometimes the carts are moved down the hall while you are in a room giving meds. One of the male CNAs reported seeing a very tall black figure going from room to room several times. We've all seen balls of light floating around. From what we have been able to gather from old pictures of the property that the nursing home is on, there was a mobile home park at one end and a cemetery at the other end of the building. Uh-oh. That's not good. No. <laughs> Everyone has seen a little boy walking around, but the freakiest part was when they saw wet children's footprints coming down the hall and followed them to the wall, and there were footprints in the snow outside that came right to that place in the wall. Yikes. It's just... And then I'll just close with this one. We had an older man with a massive heart attack, lots of other problems, and he ended up on the ventilator. He was the meanest old coot ever. His granddaughter worked at the hospital and apologized for his behavior and told us he had always been quite a rounder. He would bite, kick, spit, and had to be restrained to keep him from pulling every line he had out. We coded him three times during his stay. After the third time, his demeanor changed, and he became much more cooperative. We explained the change as a bit of ICU psychosis that had resolved. The gentleman became a, quote, frequent flyer in our ICU, coming in multiple times with CHF and becoming a regular at our outpatient clinic. He became a favorite, always smiling, joking, a dear man. One day he asked me, do you remember the first time I was here and how awful I was? I assured him that I did indeed remember. He said, do you know why I changed? I replied that I didn't, but just thought that his meanness was related to his illness. He said, no, it wasn't that. The last time you guys brought me back when my heart stopped, I woke up and remembered being in this very dark place. It was awful. It was totally black, and there was this awful smell of sulfur, and the heat was terrible. I called out and called out, and no one answered. I remembered hearing that when people die and then come back, a lot of them see a light and a lot of other good stuff. I was scared. I didn't see a light. And I knew then I had to change. He lived a couple more years after telling me his story. And when he finally died in our ICU, I have a feeling that he saw the light and the good things. At least I hope so. Whoa. I like that one. That's creepy. Yeah, like, I I feel like we've we've done the NDE ones before where people do have that. Ex- some people do have that experience of like yeah. darkness and stuff. That's pretty Yeah. Yeah. I mean, scary. yeah, we've, we've only kind of scratched the surface of NDEs. We need to do yeah, yeah. more episodes. Yeah. We on should that, definitely but, yeah. do that. Wow. Well, that was like a pretty, I feel like we got a, like a really great range of like all these different encounters people are having, you know, and they all seem to like have them in different ways. Right. Like there's all these, you know, the EMTs that like, you know, 
have sort of one experience out in the field, right? And then there's people in hospitals having another experience. And then these cops, like, exploring these, like, buildings. Like, there was even more, I think, you know, even than I, than I um, did stories on of just, like, cops going to places, you know, going to um, places where an alarm had been set off. And then there's, like, something there, right? Like, I, so creepy. But, but just being thrown into these situations where there's, like, all this intense emotion there's all these like weird forces at work and there's like a lot of stuff they just can't explain and uh, you know very often like don't want to they just <laughs> keep doing their job you know but uh yeah so i mean it gives you a lot of respect for that field i mean you know, absolutely i mean not only saying. are they dealing with life and death but right after death yeah yeah right yeah exactly yeah, like I said before, there's there's a number of stories of people like getting, you know, having sort of spirits like hang out or or sort of attach themselves to them like after someone dies, right? Like they're out there in the field trying to save somebody and something sort of follows yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, I remember, um, I don't remember which show it was. It was, it was one of those that you mentioned that you did some research with. But um, yeah, there was an EMT worker who after you know, failing to be able to um, resuscitate someone came home and started having all kinds of like poltergeist type activity. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. Cool. Well, very spooky. And if you guys, yeah, if there's, if there are any um, first responders or medical professionals listening, we would love to hear your stories. If you've got them, shout on podcast at gmail.com. Or if you just have any kind of paranormal, uh, story um, of your own that you want to share, please send it to us via email. Yep. You can also follow us on Instagram, Shadowland Podcast. And thank you so much to everyone who's been giving us ratings and positive reviews. Yes, thank it you. really helps. Um, it and if you haven't yep. done so yet, and if you're enjoying the show, it really helps us keep going. Please give us five stars. Give us a nice review. Take a few moments. It'll really make it make our day. Yep. And uh, happy Spooktober. I, happy <laughs> so, Spooktober, everyone. Yeah, so um, cool. All right, well, I guess until next time. All right, until next time. Talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye. 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 Shadowland Podcast is produced by Seth Javlon and Christina Callard. Edited by Tim Kelly. Theme music by Tim Lincoln. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim.